0: Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it, that little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this, when we hear juicy gossip we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, a Wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. Hello
1: and welcome to this week's installment of Grape Encounters Radio. I am your host, David Wilson. We are your little island of happiness, joy, And Diversion in a Sea of Complete and Utter Madness. And, of course, that aptly describes what's been going on in the world these past few weeks. And I have to tell you, this week has been really, really difficult. For me, Because I just feel so motivated to speak from the heart and maybe go into a very serious rant. But then I know that that's not my job. But it is very hard sometimes to put your happy face on and your happy voice on, in the case of radio, when you've got much more serious things on your mind. And so I was going through my bag of possible topics. I have scads of things that I want to talk about in the coming weeks. But nothing was inspiring me very much because I felt really, really diverted in my thinking to much more serious topics. So, The middle of the night last night, I call a dear friend of mine and a mentor who really helped to make Grape Encounters possible. Some 15 years ago, his name is John. He's a terrific radio guy and program director, lives in California. I, of course, am now broadcasting from Italy. And I'm like, John, I just want to explode. I want to talk about serious things and I know that's not my job. And he immediately agreed with me. He said, yes, that's not your job. And reminded me that my role in life is to... Provide balance. There can be horrible things going on in the world, but you need to balance that with happy thoughts, with joyful things, with family and friends and food and wine. And yes, you can feel quite guilty about allowing yourself to be happy when the whole world is sad. But if we succumb to the sadness, then the bad guys win, right? And that's not good. So I have a really fun topic. It's one of my favorite topics that. We'll talk about today in the next segment. But before we do that, I wanted to tell you about something that I was reminded of this week. It was something that occurred less than a year ago. As you probably know, I owned, I'm going to say owned past tense, a wine shop in California for a good long time called the Grape Encounters Emporium. But when I decided to relocate the show to Europe, I sold the shop. But anyway, it was a Monday, and it was at the height of COVID. So we were running on very restricted hours. And I was upstairs in the studio... And I heard some noise downstairs, and I looked through the upstairs window, and I noticed that there were three people downstairs. So I went down to let them know that the shop wasn't open. They were really a very smartly dressed family, and the minute they opened their mouths to speak, I realized that they were probably Russian or at least Eastern European and they were on their way up to Silicon Valley. It turns out that there was a mother, father, and son. And mom and dad lived in Chicago and had lived in the States for quite a while now. And the son lived in... In Russia. And they had all gathered together and they were on their way up to Silicon Valley where a second son lives. I believe he works for Google, as a matter of fact. And they wanted to bring some fun wines. And so they asked about purchasing a mixed case of wine. And we walked around. We really had a good time. Our conversation was super interesting. And like I said, they knew a lot about wine. They were very, very wine savvy. So we picked out some really fun wines and then went to the checkout counter. And the son said to me, Oh, are you a journalist? And he was looking at a poster that we had there that listed all of the radio stations that I'm on. And I said, Well, yeah, I am a journalist, but, you know, I don't deal in anything heavy. And I began to tell him about something that I read that was a marvelous piece of journalism, and I had read it early in the morning. I get up usually about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I read a lot of news and obviously read a lot about what's going on in the wine world. And that morning, I had read this Story about Alexei Navalny. Now, Alexei Navalny is a Russian opposition leader. He's a lawyer. He's an anti corruption activist in Russia. He came to prominence by organizing anti government demonstrations and running for office against you know who. Well, unfortunately, as is so often the case, he was taken prisoner. He's been in prison for a long time. They've done everything they possibly can to stifle this guy, but he's a very courageous man and he. He continues to voice his positions and somehow gets this information out there. I don't know how he manages it. But anyway, that morning at about five in the morning, I come across this story and the story was reminding people that Alexei Navalny is still in prison and updating the Navalny story because he's kind of been out of the news for a long time and sitting and rotting in prison. And ever so often they have another trial and they accuse him and convict him of new things and they're doing everything in their power to keep him behind bars for the rest of his life. It was a gut-wrenching story that really stuck in my head and had me thinking all day. So when this young Russian fella asked me if I was a journalist, I immediately said, you know, I used to do heavy news, but now everything I do is very lighthearted. And I said, not like a story that I read this morning about Navalny. And it was so fascinating. I've been thinking about it all day. And he said to me, did you read it in the New York Times? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I I did. I said, did you read it? And he looked at me and kind of shook his head. No, he said, I didn't. I wrote it. And I was so completely taken aback in that moment, because here's a guy that wrote a story while he was in Moscow. It was the most fascinating thing I'd read in a long time. And here he was standing in my shop, and I was just in awe. Well, the reason I even bring this up is because I read a story yesterday about the latest Navalny trial and what he is going through is just not to be believed. And I got to thinking about this young Russian who turns out uh, was the bureau chief for the New York Times in Moscow. So we talked about Navalny for a little bit. And then We changed the subject and started talking about wines, and I shared with him just how fascinated I have been with wines from Eastern Europe, particularly Moldova and Georgia, not the state Georgia. And he shared with me some really interesting insights about Eastern European wines and how very special they are, and they're very, very hard to get outside of Eastern Europe. And I was telling him how much I fantasize about going there and touring the area and trying these wines, especially in Moldova they have this network of underground wine caves that literally is like about 500 miles of wine caves, all interconnected. You can drive a car down there. And I so want to see this in my lifetime. So he looked at me and quite seriously said, listen, next time you're in Europe, contact me. I'll give you my email and you and I will go tour Eastern European wineries and wine caves together. So I did drop him a couple of emails after that, and then a lot of stuff started changing in my life, and I ended up moving to Europe. And when I got here, the very first thing I wanted to do was connect with this journalist. By the way, I, I should give him credit. His name is Anton Troyanovsky, and he writes amazing stories about what's going on in Russia every single day. So you should look him up. But sadly, of course, Uh, we will not be able to take you to any of these places for probably a very, very long time. Obviously, going on a wine-tasting mission in Eastern Europe is not important at all, except that it is important to remind people that there are wonderful people and wonderful countries that are doing wonderful things and they must not be forgotten. Uh, We're going to move to a happier topic when we return with Grape Encounters Radio, but I just wanted to share this update about my encounter with Anton Tronofsky. I hope that someday he and I will break bread and drink wine together. So I'll keep you posted, okay? We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this.
0: You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for.
1: the only thing that mendocino county winemaker greg graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes it's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga artisans like greg don't count they create did da vinci or michelangelo take inventory let's just say that italians like greg can easily get carried away especially when it comes to food and wine great wine is in greg's dna His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s. And despite being the head honcho of the much beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine seller for Graziano wines or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun with a Graziano
2: at your table. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. mmorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. mmorganics.com eating any other nuts is just plain nuts
1: all right we are back with grape encounters radio and we will move on to happier thoughts now as i promised i would and i'm going to talk to you now about a favorite subject of mine it's been something that i've been talking about on grape encounters radio since day one literally I actually went back to see when I first started talking about this topic, and it really was from the very beginning. And it has to do with things that we can do to make our wine taste better that has nothing to do with what's in the bottle. And I'm going to actually take it one step further because I'm also going to talk to you in a few minutes about little things that you can physically do to wine to make it taste better. It's a really, really fascinating subject area. And I will tell you this, that I am uh, frequently asked to speak to groups about wine, and usually I can talk about whatever I want to talk about, and this is absolutely my favorite topic because It's such a no-brainer once you learn about these things. It's such a no-brainer to be able to manipulate your wine enjoyment experience and enjoy the wine just a whole lot more without doing much of anything. It's fascinating. Uh, There was a story that I read this week about a master of wine who conducted a very, very interesting study that has to do with how listening to classical music impacts our enjoyment? Of sparkling wines. And I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, The reason that this caught my attention is because I've seen a number of different studies over the years on this topic, but never about classical music. Usually it's about uh, heavy um, music, oftentimes in minor keys, that really changes our perception of especially big red wines, which is what I think I drink the most of. So we're going to go back some years to when I first came upon this research. Pretty much anything you ever want to know about this topic you can find in a book that was published back in 2011. The book is called Art and the Senses, and it is edited by Francesca Bacci uh, from the University of Trento in Italy, and also David Melcher. He's an associate professor for the Center for Mind-Brain Sciences, also at the same university. This was published by the Oxford University Press press. There's a wealth of information in this book, but I'm going to take you uh, to a section in the book that uh, talks about a Chilean winemaker who's really very legendary in Chile. His name is Aurelio Montez. And Montez has an absolute obsession with the relationship between wine and music. And this will be a little bit of a spoiler alert here. Uh, He is actually uh, very well known for playing music to his wine. (laughs) That's right. In the barrel room, you can go down there and you will hear Gregorian chants. No, not country, western, not rock and roll, but Gregorian chants. And they call this sonic aging. And I guess how it works is that the vibrations of the music uh, actually cause physical changes in the wine. And obviously, different music has different tempos, different beats. And uh, I I guess, uh, depending upon the wine and the music that's being played, you can have different kinds of results. So uh, yeah, if you go into Montez's wine cellar, you will hear this going on. And by the way, there are a lot of grape growers these days that are broadcasting music, everything from rock and roll to Mozart, out in the vineyards. They're playing music, and they are absolutely positively convinced that this music, uh, if you get it dialed in right, will affect the grapes as they're growing in a very positive way. And of course, as I just mentioned, it'll also impact how the wine ages in the barrel room. So super, super interesting. But I want to take you to what I think is an even more interesting uh, part of the discussion, which is how music impacts our perception of wine. And it does sound, I'm sure, like a whole lot. Lot of hocus pocus, but gosh, there's a whole lot of science behind it. And we're going to talk about this latest study in just a second, but I want to stick with the, uh, the discussion of Montez for just a moment because he did a super interesting study back in 2011. And here's how it goes. There is a study that was conducted at a university in a country which is obviously one of the most wine-centric countries in the world, Scotland. I'm just kidding. But it it was actually carried out in Scotland at Harriet Watt University by a researcher named Adrian North, and the study was funded by no other than Aurelio Montes, the Chilean winemaker I was just talking about. Anyway, they were investigating whether listening to different kinds of music would affect people's perception of wine. And so North showed that when heavy background music was played, people judged certain wines as tasting heavier. And actually, they really enjoyed the wines better, especially wines like Cabernet Sauvignon. Um they they here are some examples of the music that they played they played music like sweet child of mine by guns and roses and uh, when that was played while drinking cabernet sauvignon uh, they enjoyed the wine, get this, sixty percent more. They said the wine was sixty percent more robust than when the wine was tasted in silence. Anyway, um, going back to this uh, book that I was telling you about, sound bites. They said that these results led Dave Williams, the editor of Wine and Spirits magazine, to suggest that we might soon find music lists in Michelin starred restaurants. They go on to say, alternatively, innovative restaurant tours may soon start coordinating the background music played in their restaurants to the wine chosen by the patrons in the same way that they currently match specific wines in particular dishes. So uh, here are some of the music pairings that they did with different wines that uh, affected the perception of the wine in very favorable ways. For Cabernet Sauvignon, they played uh, All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, Honky Tonk Woman by The Stones, Live and Let Die. Paul McCartney and Wings, and we won't get fooled again by The Who. If you want your Chardonnay to taste better, you can play the song Atomic by Blondie, Rock DJ by Robbie Williams, What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner, and Spinning Around by Kylie Minogue. For Syrahs, they played Puccini, Enya, uh, Vangelis, and then uh, finally for Merlot... Uh, this seems very logical to me. Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding, Easy by Lionel Richie, Over the Rainbow by Ava Cassidy, and Heartbeats by Jose Gonzalez. And I have no idea what that song is. I mean, gang, this is an absolute no-brainer. You maybe can't afford the wines that you really want to drink, but you can get a wine that's maybe a little less expensive and then just go to Spotify or Apple Music and you can improve the quality of the wine, at least in your head, by just playing a few tunes. So we're going to talk more about that in just a second. We'll go to this Study about classical music and sparkling wines when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. Hey, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. And if you're one of the tens of millions of people who are bummed by the fact that you're paying upwards of $6 a gallon for gasoline, um, then I've got great news for you. I mean, chances are that most people are going to have to, for a good long while, cut their budgets back. And that probably means drinking less expensive wine and not having the fantastic wine experiences that you're used to. That you have to struggle with something a little less. But man, have I got great news for you? All you need is a, an Apple Music account or a Spotify account or, you know, any of the music services out there. If you have an account and you take my advice, then you can buy less expensive wines and have a really, really good experience imagine that instead of buying a $30 bottle of wine you buy a $15 bottle of wine and then you just turn to the music that I'm going to suggest to you and you've got it all dialed in now I'm not going to be able to cover all types of music but I'm going to focus on two and we're going to come back and talk about classic rock because I know that many of you are big time classic rock fans But before we do that, I'm going to talk to you about what got me back on this subject again. It was a story that I read in Decanter, which, by the way, if you're looking for really, really well-written stories about wine, interesting stuff. They do a lot of what we do here on Grape Encounters is we just kind of get away from the tasting note stuff and get into some really off-the-wall topics. And so anyway, I was just doing my weekly wine research and I came upon a new study on this subject of the relationship between wine and music. And I'm, I will tell you that for the most part, the studies that I've seen in the past are very much focused on rock and roll music and their the relationship between rock music, especially music that's in minor keys, to the enhancement of our perception of Big Bold Red Wines. And I'm going to come back to this because I had an epiphany about this just last night and then I started to do a little digging and I cannot wait to share with you something that I think is just so totally cool and it's going to be so much fun for you. And I want you to do it this weekend for sure. I want you to take this idea for a test drive and, uh, you know, feel free to send me a little thank you email because I'm going to change your life with this one. But first, let's talk about the relationship between sparkling wine and classical music because a very competent person did a very good study on this. And I'm going to share the results. Results with you now. So I really need to give credit where it is deserved, and the credit for learning about this story goes to Decanter and. Uh You can find everything that Decanter does on decanter.com. And as far as I know, it's free because I log on there all the time and they never even ask me to subscribe. So that's really cool. Does that not tick you off, by the way, when you do a Google search and you come upon an article that you're really interested in and it's right there in the search, but boy, you click on it. And not only do they expect you to accept their stale cookies, but they also want you to subscribe. And there's always money involved here. And, you know, if look at if they're going to force us to subscribe, then there's got to be some way that they get excluded from the Google search, because I think anything you find on Google ought to be free. (laughs) At least that's my opinion. Anyway, um, going back to Decanter, which does a great job on the 15th of March, just a few days ago, they published a story uh, entitled The Power of Music. How, how Brahms might make your wine taste better. And this is based on a study by Susan Lynn. She's a master of wine. And uh, anyway, let's just dive into that for a second, shall we? So I'm going to quote from Decanter for a second. They asked the question, can music enhance your experience of a wine, irrefutably altering your perception of it? And they continue. They say one master of wine has proven that it absolutely can in the same way that the of baking bread can make a home more inviting. Classical music can lift the experience of a champagne when compared to silence whether you're a fan of the genre or not. And then they go on to talk about Susan Lynn, this master of wine, who uh, just last year uh, was head of wine expertise for fine wine retailer Belmont Wine Exchange there in San Francisco. Um, She's also got a master's in fine art, classical piano and musicology, and a previous career in high-tech data analysis. So man, she's got everything that she needs to do this kind of a research project. Well, anyway, um, she had one aim, they say, and that is to find out if classical music could influence an individual's perception of a brute champagne. Anyway, the they say that the official name for this field of study is cross-modal perception, why people make intuitive connections between unrelated stimulus and, in this case, uh, taste and oral stimulation. Okay, so just to boil it down, she picks uh, five pieces of music. They all have uh, different tempos, pitch, timbre, articulation, and then the fifth is silence. The participants included social drinkers, uh, master of wine students, sommeliers, industry professionals, and each one of them were given the same five glasses of Vouvlico, the Brute Envy yellow label. And then uh, the wine was given to them blind, and they were played random pieces of music. They were asked to rank each glass for its complexity, fruitiness, effervescence and freshness, uh, but also how much they liked the wine and music, allowing the researcher to quantify how each musical parameter impacted sensory perception. I want to be really super clear, I am paraphrasing from Decanter and I want to give them full credit for a very well-written article. Anyway, th- they say that the results were very very conclusive and I- I have to tell you, this is really super astonishing. Uh, She had uh, 71 participants, and of those participants, 70 of these people believed that they were tasting five completely different wines. And even that one holdout, that one participant who said that he was tasting the same wine each time, felt that his perceptions were unavoidably altered with each piece. And they go on to say that there was absolutely no correlation between a participant's enjoyment of the music and wine. In fact, some of Lynn's participants shared their dislike of classical music, but still found their perceptions positively Altered. Crazy, man. So um, imagine this, that you're you're sitting there and you're trying the same glass of wine over and over and over again. And each time that you taste the wine and listen to a different piece of music, your perception changes immensely. So uh, this is... a field of study that you're going to see a lot more from as time goes on. And I think I would predict that winemakers, as they start to embrace this idea, are going to not only sell you a bottle of wine, but they're going to provide for you a playlist of things that you should listen to when you drink the wine. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, Okay. If you think it's a whole bunch of fooey, consider this. How often do you sit down and drink a glass of wine without music being played in the background? There is a reason why you put on certain music instinctively. There's a reason why you light candles, why you put flowers on the table, why you create what you think is the perfect environment to enjoy a glass of wine in. In. I mean, we probably don't really even think about this, but there is a reason why we do this, and that is because all of these facts, and, I, and I'm and i not going to have time today to get into some of them that I've just listed, but all of these factors impact our perception of a wine. The colors in the room, the temperature of the room, the glass that you're drinking the wine out of Uh, other influences like smells in the room can completely change your perception of the wine that's why by the way uh, wine tasting rooms are super sensitive about people that come in wearing perfumes strong perfumes because even though they're doing it innocently uh, somebody can walk into a tasting room where they're pouring some terrific wines and if they're wearing the wrong perfume the impact on our perception of the wine changes radically and sometimes not in a very good way. So um, I'll always talk about this area of study because it's fascinating to me. And uh, I think that as time goes on, we're gonna really begin to embrace this and understand that much of the reason why we react negatively or positively to a wine has to do with these other factors. Now I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna throw at you my epiphany in just a second as we conclude this episode of Grape Encounters. So stay with me, will ya? At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he could choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make six to 12 wines, but Graziano has five brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com, and you can find Graziano Wines all over America, or buy them online at winescom I've never confessed how much I love Graziano Wines to my brother, and uh, let's keep it that way. And. We are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we are talking about uh, particularly how wine can impact our perception of wine. I'm going to tell you what, this is information that you need to live because we're all having to cut back on a lot of stuff right now. It's expensive to get by in this world. And so uh, if you're used to buying $30, $40, $50 bottles of wine, you may be now looking for wines uh, sub $10 or $50. $15 or $20 and that doesn't mean that you have to struggle through the wines however because your friend David Wilson is right here right now giving you information that will bring these wines up to your very high standards and all you've got to do is uh, you know go to Spotify or go to Amazon Music or any number of places where you can get music for next to nothing, and if you program your playlist correctly, you can cut back your wine budget and have a grand old time all the same. Now, I wanted to share an epiphany with you because I really believe very strongly in what I'm about to say, and I'll tell you why I'm going to share with you what I'm going to share. It's because I have read all kinds of studies about the relationship between wine and music, and there's one thing that always stands out to me, and it stands out to me because I'm a big fan of Big Reds, and and truthfully. Truthfully, I know, I absolutely believe with all my heart and soul that that is true of most of the people who listen to this show, that you love big, bold wines. It's just our preference. And if you don't believe me, you can just look at sales statistics. It's what we love. We love our Cabernet Sauvignon. We love our Zinfandels. We love our Syrahs, Petite Syrahs. We love big, bold, red wines. And if you go to other countries, whether it's Italy or Spain whatever. It's the same there. We love Big Bold Red Wines. So when I look at various studies that have been done about the relationship between music and wines, especially Big Bold Red Wines, it always comes back to the same thing, that Big Bold Music pairs very positively with Big Bold Red Wine. And one of the things that has stood out to me over the years is that a lot of the music that is called out in these studies has a similar characteristic to music in other studies. And you want to know what it is? It's that the music is often in minor keys. And the music often features, all right, get ready for this because this is big, okay? The music often features a particular instrument. And nobody's ever mentioned it in the studies, but I figured it out. And the instrument is the legendary Hammond B3 organ. Now, most people will not even know what I'm talking about when I say Hammond B3. But this particular instrument, which was created in the 50s, which is still made today, was the signature instrument in some of the greatest music that was ever created. And if you don't believe me, you can just go to Spotify and you can search for Hammond organ and you will be shocked at how many playlists exist that feature the Hammond organ because it was the signature instrument for some of the greatest music that was ever created in this world. And I guarantee you that if you are a lover of big red wines and you play music that features the Hammond B3 organ, you are going to be one very happy camper. I'll give you some examples of some of the music, okay? Uh, First of all, Deep Purple, the group that brought you Smoke on the Water. There are just gobs of music that they created that feature the ham and beef B3 uh, mu- uh songs like uh Highway Star, uh let's see Burn is uh one of them, uh, Lazy is one of them. Uh, actually, I kind of think that almost anything that uh, Deep Purple did like Hush is a Hammond B3 song. So do yourself a favor, go grab yourself a big red wine and play some of this music. But let me give you some of the other um music that is not Deep Purple so that you'll uh, know what I'm talking about. Let's see. Uh uh, Fire by Arthur Brown, um, uh, Hold Your Head Up by Argent, uh, uh, Give Me Some Lovin', uh, let's see, um, I Said Burn, uh, Hocus Pocus by Focus, great song, Oye Como Va by Santana, uh, Flight of the Phoenix by Grand Funk Railroad, uh, Vanilla Fedges' uh, You Keep Me Hanging On, and uh, uh, Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf, but then I gotta tell you the biggest, most important, most amazing Hammond B3 song of all time. It is the song that you want to play when you're drinking Big Red Wine is, ready? A Whiter Shade of Pale Procol Haram. That is the consummate Hammond B3 organ. Now, you can also turn to pretty much anything that the Doors uh, produced. There's Hammond B3 in almost every single song that they produced. So, yeah, just go uh, to Spotify. I found literally Dozens of playlists that are published on Spotify that feature the Hammond B3. So let's uh, summarize. Big Red Wines Hammond B3. That's all you need to know. And, um, you know, feel free to write me and tell me that I'm full of baloney, which you're not going to say because I am correct here. Or say, David, that is the greatest epiphany that you have ever shared with your audience at Grape Encounters Radio. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with um, one last thought about how you can make your wine taste better and uh, by doing certain interesting stuff. And there's a story that really got past me. I don't know how I missed this one, but a couple of years ago when Elon Musk was launching his Tesla into outer space. There was wine being launched into outer space as well. And it was one of the most expensive wines on the planet, Chateau Petrus, which absolutely doesn't really need any improvement, but they did it all the same. I guess it was Christie's, and the wine was put aboard the International Space Station. Now, I'm gonna tell you, I am shocked. I'm totally shocked that the astronauts on the International Space Station didn't one evening in pure desperation say to themselves, you know what, why don't we just, like maybe we could open up that case of Petrus that we've got aboard the space station and I mean, how much trouble are we really gonna get into? Okay, so just how much was this wine impacted by spending more than a year on the International Space Station? Well, guess what? You're gonna have to wait until now next week to hear the answer to that question because we are out of time this week. So I want to thank you very much for listening. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, uh, you can probably Google the answer or you can just wait until I give you the full skinny right here on Grape Encounters Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll wanna join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.